This is a HeadGum Podcast. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. this type of music in escape rooms oh that's the worst have you ever been in an escape room where they play music like that no it would make me so nervous and anxious i think that's why they do it <laughs> that sounds like, like a club, a club. <laughs> which also makes me nervous i'd get nothing done <laughs> you'd be solving clues i'd be dancing <laughs> okay let's get into this i'm really excited four loved the foley <laughs> artistry of that sip of coffee <laughs> It's a it's an almond latte. The details don't matter. I gave up milk. <laughs> Good for you. Here I'm going to explain something, but let me welcome you first. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, an advice podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I'm your host Maggie Batoon, and today we have a repeat guest. Yay! This yeah. is where we would have, you know, a sound stinger. effects. A what, what would it sound like? If- well, I think it would just be like that eye movie, like the kids going. Okay. But now you just imagined it and it's fine. (laughs) So here's what happens when we have a repeat guest, everyone listening, because it doesn't happen often. I think you're probably the second person to come back. Wow. Thank you for having me. I feel special. You should. Good. Here's what the deal is. From this point forward, every guest that comes on that's already been on is going to have a dedicated topic. So I've chosen a topic that works well for the guest and we're going to answer as many as we're going to answer as many questions as possible from Instagram stories. I asked Instagram what they wanted to know about self-improvement and self-discovery, so I have Justin Hughes here to help sound off. But but you can talk. It is a podcast. <laughs> Letting you do your thing, setting it up, then I'll chime. Cool, cool. I was wanting to, I was, in my head, I was like, do I correct her on the Justin James Hughes versus Justin Hughes? Do you need to be three Well, names? there's a Justin Hughes that's a gay YouTuber now. Now? Well, I mean, I, he, for a few years. I mean, he's probably always been gay, but now he's a YouTuber. Sure. So Justin James Hughes is here. Sure. okay let's get into it usually we play a game called bursa firsts and now that you're a second guest a secondary guest 
Not really secondary. Second time. Second time. <laughs> Don't belittle me. <laughs> now that you're a second time guest, we are flipping the game on its head, and now it's called Flash of Last. Flash of Last. Thank you. It's the same questions, but instead of the first, it's going to be the last time. You did everything from your first job to your first public cry. It's going to be the last job, the last public cry, etc. Oh, Okay. Usually I stop to ask for elaboration or more details if I'm interested, but even if I'm interested, I can't stop myself. So how fun is this? So fun. <laughs> can't fucking wait. Okay. Here we go. What was your last job? Uh, bartender at a catering place. Last cell phone. iPhone 11 Pro. Brag. Last pet. Sybil. Last kiss location. On my mouth. <laughs> no, you said that last time. Where were you? Um, I don't remember. Like when I kissed somebody intimately? Um, okay, I can't stop, like I but I my, am interested. <laughs> like I kissed my friends hello, like on the lips. I kissed Emsley hello the other night. Oh, okay, where, I guess? Uh, at a sound bath. <laughs> <laughs> Last major purchase. iPhone 11 Pro. Last choice in a karaoke book. Last choice? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Anything that involves talent, like Celine Dion. Right. Last internet screen name. Old Dirty Hughes. Last thing you think when someone doesn't answer the phone. Oh, I bet they're busy and that this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Last celebrity crush. Not like, like the last one you would ever choose, but oh, like the most recent. Most recent. Emma Stone Ooh. fucking just got engaged. Last concert. I'm sorry for your loss of opportunity. Last concert, Papa Roach. Last scar. Last scar. Um, on my back, I sliced my back pretty bad on a, my friend's kitchen cabinet handle. Is that mine? No. Okay. Last thing you do when you like someone. Spit on them? I'm a, That's good. This whole last is kind of confusing. Last show you binge watched. That'll be easier. Oh, uh, the good place. Uh, last excuse you make when trying to cancel plans. I just don't like you. <laughs> last time you cried in public. Is Klaus? Does that count? <laughs> I I wept while watching Klaus. That was not in public. Well, um, last time I cried in public. <sighs> like with people around. Oh, I cried when I was in Oregon. I was at a bar, and me and a lady had a really good, deep, vulnerable conversation. We both just sat there crying while, like, embracing each other at a bar in Portland. Wow. Well, that's how it ends. All right. That was delightful. Nice. I can't ask any questions, but I'm glad that you were affected. Yeah, I was. Deeply. Very good. Well, now is the time that we turn to Instagram and try our best. We've never done this before. Thank you for being my first guest that does Instagram. You know, I figured if you wanted to try something new, you'd feel safe with me, feel comforted. Just glad I can be your Superman, really. Okay, self, self-given self <laughs> title. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so on Instagram, you can ask people questions. Mm -hmm. I asked everyone what they wanted to know about self-improvement and self-discovery. Here are some questions Ooh, oh my god it's so cute when your friends answer oh yeah it is that never happens to me you're like oh thanks for actually 
being a part of what totally. I do. Yeah. And it's not like a joke. They're yeah. not they're not doing an inside joke so that you could reply to the story and be yes. like, Oh haha, Ashley, you're so funny. It's like, no, these are like real real questions. Is it actually Ashley? No, I don't have a friend named Ashley. Neither do I. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> so sad for Ashley. Okay. Ooh, this one's I think a good a good start. Down by the brook underscore says journaling for self discovery. What do you got to say about journaling for self discovery? <laughs> I would say, is that a question? Well, let's go into it. If no, if someone's never journaled before, what are the the tips of journaling? Well, I did just watch a masterclass by David Sedaris, and he talks about writing in his diary a lot. And what I've gathered is to just write whatever, write whatever is in your brain, in your heart, get it out onto a page, and then that will one help you deal with it, and then two, if you want to go. 14, 15 more drafts later, you could submit it to the New Yorker. David Sitter's his masterclass is is a lot of writing in a diary. It's a lot of diary. But the one the part that I do like about it is that it it was a little redundant, but like he would show the different drafts and he's like, This is my thirteenth draft, and it was like better. Mm. So that's fun to yeah. just see how it can improve. And I think journaling I remember doing the thing uh, something called the Artist Way workbook. Have you ever heard of that? I've done it, yeah. I've only done half of it. And I was telling a friend about it at a party the other day. And he was like, that seems about right. I was like, what does that mean? That I don't finish? I have no follow through? And he's like, no. I mean, everyone's like pretty gung-ho about it. And then by the ha- by the halfway mark, they're like, you know, I'm fine. It's a lot of work. You know what it is? I think you start feeling better. And oh. then you stop doing it because you're like, oh, I'm no longer in my shit anymore. Oh. So then you stop doing it. But then you don't right. finish what you started and then uh, that's true i wonder if that's because i've also started the artist way numerous times right i've never finished i (laughs) it seemed like you did the way that you were surprised when i said i didn't finish oh you didn't finish because i was like oh me either (laughs) but i (laughs) right right but you didn't want to you know be on my level didn't want to interject yeah i see but in the artist way they say journal for 30 minutes a morning I don't, I don't think they say that. What, yes, they do. I think it's like 10 minutes, three no pages. No way. No way. Viewers listening at home, could you please check this and um, find out who's right? Leave that comment in the comments. I will say this about journaling. Um, I've gone back through old journals, and I don't like reading when I have the same problems that I had five years prior. And I'm like, oh, I'm still dealing with this same crap? Right. I don't like it. Well, that would be the worst. That means you haven't, and not, I wouldn't say it means you haven't grown, but you're just like, I haven't gotten over this. Yes. And that's really hard. I saw something online today. It was like a Buddha Instagram account. And it was saying that you're not letting someone off the hook by not forgiving them, but who's really on the hook if you are still holding on? And it's like, oh, Mm. oh no. Resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Right. I do that all the time. All the time. It's so hard. To not? Yeah. I think when you're really hurt, you hold it. You hold on to it. I don't know why. I don't know if it keeps us safe. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Your subconscious, I feel like your brain can rationalize it and let it go, but your subconscious holds on to it. And I think it's, it's that to keep you safe factor. It's like this person hurt me in the past. It doesn't want that again. Yeah. And I think your subconscious – it was like I, – I also read this quote about um, like when 
negative thoughts or like when somebody's negative to you, it's like they hammer nails into your wall. And it's like, yeah, you can remove the nail, mm. but like the wall still got holes in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. I feel like there's another Instagram – so many Instagram accounts. Yesterday I was, like, looking for ones I, – I typed in, like, <laughs> hashtag Pilates memes because I just wanted to be, like, seen and heard. And I wanted to laugh with people that were like-minded. And it was really hard. There, there's no, like, really good Pilates memes. I'll, I'll start doing Pilates and then <laughs> we can write some memes together. But there's an account called Artistic Writers and they take screenshots from movies and post them with the captions of whatever's going on in the movie. And there's one with Robin Williams and it said, the things that we fear the most have already happened to us. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. That's why we live in fear. It's because mm-hmm. we've been hurt and we're like shelling up. We have our armor because of it. Mm-hmm. But we don't. we've already gone through it. And we survived and we I know. thrived afterward. I was telling someone at a party, which this is a hilarious like party topic, but invite me to parties. You'll get this type of conversation. But I was like, I feel like I, the question I asked was if you could change something about the human species, what, what would you change? And somebody was like, oh, I would change. I would take away jealousy. Another person was like, I would take away or I would improve memory. So you sound like you'd be a riot at parties. Like, Is that sarcastic? You, no, you just ask good questions, and <laughs> I would want you to come to my, I would be like, this person isn't about small talk. This is Totally. A, this is so cool. Yeah, put me by the chips. I'll last all night. All night. Kettle cooked? All night, baby. But I was. I asked that question once we were talking about memory and how faulty it is. It's because like every time you remember something or you try to remember something, the memory gets hazier and more nebulous. That. It's it's almost like doing a disservice to yourself by trying to remember because mm. you can never trust memory. We have so much emotion attached to it that's changing the picture. Mm-hmm. And I was – I think I was telling my therapist this too. It's like my memory is like a crossword puzzle. Did I ever tell you about this theory that I have? I think twice in the last week. <laughs> I just had it. It's a big revelation. <laughs> But I think memory is like a crossword puzzle. So it's a big grid. And then all the black parts aren't that they aren't there. The black parts are still little squares that fit into the grid, but they're just covered up. So once you lift that little black rectangle, black square, what's really under there? It's We just can't see it because it's blacked out because it's so painful. It's like a report that's been... Redacted. De- declassified or like yeah. they've edited out parts that you can't see. Yeah, Exactly. I, well, it's it's interesting too because it's like you said you can't trust your memories. You can't really trust your own vision either because you don't see things as they actually happen. Your brain is the one processing the light being reflected into your eyeballs. So it's not that I'm just seeing the light coming off your face. I'm seeing the light coming off your face while also my brain is remembering all the times we've had together over the years. Mm. So it's like I'm not just seeing – you, I'm seeing you as a person mixed with my memories, mixed with my emotions. Right. It's a whole sensory. Yeah. So it's like realistically, and this, I talk about reality a lot because there's not one reality. There's seven and a half billion people on the planet. There's seven and a half billion different realities going mm-hmm. on. And sure, you and somebody else might have like very similar realities, but they're not identical. No one, that's what's crazy when people are like, no one's like you. And everyone's like, yeah, then we're all not unique. But no one has the life, the thoughts, the emotions. No one has your timeline of anything. No. You you can't fully relate to anyone. We're all unique and we're all the exact same in that. 
I know. Mine's nuts. It's crazy. Okay, did we help with the journaling question? <laughs> Journal. Okay, let's see. So this is about self-discovery and self-improvement. There's a lot of questions that are not based off that, so I'm kind of trying to sift through them. Becoming your own person, vibe underscore Hoffman. It asks about becoming your own person. I think maybe we can take that in a way of, of if you're in a long-distance relationship or, or long-distance, long-term relationship mm. and kind of getting out of that and finding who you are or just finding who you are in general. I think it's a lot of things. I think for a lot of men in America, it's getting out of your dad's shadow, mm-hmm. um, getting out of that, you know, your family's idea of who you should be, stepping into who you want to be. That is such a longer conversation. I feel like we could talk about that for five hours. Easily. Because uh, the way that we are is all condition. Like when mm-hmm. there's nature versus nurture, it's all nurture. The only thing that's natural to us is community, feeling like we want to be a part of something and feeling belonging. That's all that's inherent to us. Also, we're afraid of falling in loud noises. <laughs> yeah. Those are the two inherent fears you're born with. You know that? Yeah. Cool. Loud noises and How'd you falling. learn that? I fell. So baptism by fire. You didn't read it. No, no, no. That's actually that's actually true. That's uh, you can Google that. Uh, okay. But yeah, I somebody told me I was at a ropes course and it was up on like huge logs and you're doing stuff and um, yeah, you're, just you, danger. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Did we answer that question? Um, no. I don't think we started. <laughs> I said it could last five hours, and I think it lasted five seconds. Well. There's another question right next to it from Stella underscore Ma saying, finding myself while still in a relationship. And I think we can probably link those. Yeah, link them together because I think becoming your own person is, yeah, getting out of what has been put upon you by what your parents have thought on their own or multi generational learning is what their parents said was good or acceptable. And so we're just kind of receiving sifted opinions by people we've never met because it's just like run in our our bloodstream and our our lineage that i feel like it's really just getting away from what you were taught as a kid i take i talk about reparenting and unlearning all the time but i think that has a lot to do with it if i didn't move overseas overseas basically kind of overseas but like if i didn't move to california from florida i don't know if i would be any different but i feel Way more me, way more comfortable now with doing all of this self-exploration by being so far from my family, for being single for so long. Yeah, yeah. Doing it while in a relationship is interesting. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I feel like a butterfly goes into a cocoon when it changes from a caterpillar, right? And it's there's nobody else. You can't be with anybody else in your cocoon. Yeah. Like while you're metamorphosizing (laughs) you have a better word (laughs) i like cocooning better uh you know and there's been times where when i'm going through a change and something's not feeling right in me i 100 have to be alone to sift through my emotions to sift through my thoughts to make that change of what do i want from myself right now who do i want to be in this situation and it's you know i think separating all relationships, not just a intimate one, but sometimes you need to take a step back from your friends and be like, do I still want to be friends with this person? Is is this person helping me become who I want to be? 
can I help this person become who they should be instead or who I feel like they could be living up to their potential? Um, I think the in the relationships part is a struggle. Mm -hmm. If the relationship isn't helping, I don't want to say it's hurting, but just, just maintaining, that's not the friendship that you want. And I think what I've been realizing lately is there's certain people that I can go for two for certain things. Like, on, on the most surface level of explaining this, you've got like a hype friend that will tell you anything that you want to hear. You have a friend that's kind of a pessimist that you don't ever really want to go to unless you're in a bad mood and misery loves company. So like that's kind of the more extreme version of what I've been going through. But sometimes if I'm feeling something specific, I can't go to some of my closest friends because they don't know how to be there for me in the way that I need them to. Oh, yeah. It's, my parents don't know how to be there for me the no way. way I need them to. And it's finding the people who can be that for you, for sure. Who's your go-to? I think you're one of my go-tos. Yeah. I think that if I needed to just be able to say something and be heard and not judged for it, or someone's not trying to put a bandage over it, like I've got some friends like that, and one of my parents is definitely like that because they just want it to be fine, and they want it to be okay, and they don't want you to hurt. And it mm -hmm. comes from a great place, but they're limiting your healing by trying to fix everything for you. Yeah. And so when I come to you with problems, I think why our friendship is so good is because I can say something and you and I will both ask questions to get more information to help process it. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends that are verbal processors. And if you don't let someone talk and if you just go, it's okay, or that's crazy you feel like that, I believe in you so much if you're being really insecure. It's like well, – <laughs> It's not about how you think of me. It's about mm -hmm. how I'm feeling about myself and how you can help me navigate these murky waters. Mm -hmm. But for you to like try and clear the path or send a boat, that's not going to help me learn mm -hmm. how to swim. Yeah. And sometimes you just need somebody there to, to say, I'm sorry that happened to you. And that sucks. I can't imagine what you're going through. Those are the things that you need to say. I I was having a tough time the other day and I, I went to Justin and I was like, this is all I want to hear. And then that's been like our, our bit for a bit. <laughs> when something really minimal goes wrong, we so say those three I'm lines. So, I'm sorry that happened to you. That sucks. I can't imagine what you're going through. Can't imagine. It's very fun. So I think our answer for this is like, just take the time alone. And that could be a good time for journaling. Mm. Oh, wow. Are we going to thread like a nice – That would be really stitch, cute. Stitch them all together? Oh, that's so funny. The next question said, most people don't prioritize alone time with their thoughts. Make time for it. Which is not really a question. They're they're on – yep. Good job. Good, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Self-improvement, self-discovery. This one's interesting. Shay.Lay7 asks about being happier. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm laughing at her name. Okay, well, Tom. <laughs> Shade out late. Being happier. That's grand. I'm sorry. What was the thing? Being, it just says being happier. Like any tips on being happier? Ooh, I got – I would love to field this one. Can Go I? for it. I think happiness is overrated. I think happiness is one of your four or five core emotions depending on which four or five you believe in. We've seen Inside um, Out. We've all seen Inside Out. Absolutely. And I think letting happiness – be your North Star or let happiness drive the boat all the time is 100% wrong. I think enjoy those moments where you're in disgust or you're afraid because they're telling you something. Yeah. 
And I think happiness shouldn't be what we're striving for. I think passion or vitality, living a life that you want to live, that you want to jump out of bed for in the morning, even if it's you're jumping out of bed to go fight a fight that you don't like the way the world is right now and you're like, this is what I believe and I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to go do this. Mm-hmm. And I think there's moments, there's pockets of just pure happiness and they're just little bubbles that float and eventually they'll pop. But happiness can't last forever. It's, I mean, it would be boring if it did. It wouldn't be happiness. Yeah, it would just be base level living. Yeah, that that becomes your new base and then you'd have to find an even it, – it would be like a drug. Right, gateway feelings. Yeah. Happiness is a gateway feeling. Happiness is a gateway feeling. I feel the same – I feel the same way. I'm a, I was a huge proponent of only being happy a couple years ago. I was like, that was all I wanted to be. And then when I f- found the value in feeling all of your feelings and being a well-rounded person because we aren't just one thing, everything started to make a little bit more sense. The sadder you got, the more space you could have for being happy. It's just like, I think that going along with what you're saying is listening to your inner child and that kind of the same as as being happiness being the north star Mm -hmm. so being happier i don't know if it's about being happier but what are a few things that make you happy this is a question for you in actual life (laughs) yes that was a just stop (laughs) just stop um i love nature first and foremost um i love doing things i've never done before i love going places i've never been before so for me exploring i mean even aspects of my mind and consciousness wherever i get to explore yeah that's really rad for me and that's what i absolutely love i think that's really important asking yourself what makes you happy and maybe even writing a list of those and oh, then for sure. when you feel unhappy or when you feel like you want to be happier do one of those things. If you know what makes a happy Justin or makes a happy Shay. Shay Dotlay. Seven. Then then do that. What makes Make you time happy? for that. What makes me happy? I love cooking with friends. Mm. Uh, one of the Masterclass episodes, Massimo, he says cooking is an act of love. Mm. And I think it's real fun to be able, as long as your friends are also kind of good cooks, because that's really frustrating. When, oh, yeah. You can't. You can't. But yeah, cooking with people. I I like traveling with friends. I don't Mm. really like traveling alone or I mean, I'd rather travel with friends than family. But yeah, I mean, I think also doing things, building stuff. That's why I love DIY so much. If something is super dirty and I'm in a good enough place to clean it, oh, I love cleaning it. Yeah. I love cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like relaxing. I like learning a lot. So if I can learn something new about myself or others... Yeah. So good. Yeah. I would rather learn about people more than I would want to learn about the world, which is probably why I'm bad at history. History's tough for me. But if I could learn about history and get like the diaries of George Washington and all these people, I'd be I would read those diaries easy. Cuz like I I talk about this all the time, so much more than accomplishment, I'm not impressed with accomplishment. I'm impressed with how you know yourself. Mm. So I really want to get deep. That's why I hate small talk. Anne Frank has a diary. I should read it. I heard it's a it's a page turner. Yikes. Um, 
You you did mention something about inner child though, and I feel like we a lot of times quell our inner child. Yeah. And your inner child, I don't think, ever grows up. He lives inside of you, but whatever made your inner child happy, that's what's going to make you happy. And I feel like you get to be a responsible adult to let your inner child play more. It's like you have to be both. Totally. Yeah. It, yeah, it's like your inner child, Who? what your soul really wants is the steering wheel, but you as an adult are the one that's filling the tank. Mm-hmm. So without the drive... You can't get there at all. Oh, such a good metaphor. Though. Without the gas, you can't get that it was, there. That was real, real good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank yourself. <laughs> Thank you, me. Yeah, there I it is. Guess. The next question comes from Chelsea underscore Jean. A lot of underscores in this group. You know, Instagram, it's got a lot of people on it. You got to do all these things. I know. Dots, underscores. How to feel that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You have to honestly answer, are you? But the thing is, you are you already are. Right? I see it's definitely a double-edged sword, that question. And it's where do you draw the line between accepting where you are where you are and then being like, I don't want to be here. How do I get out of here? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing... The first part is just taking a mirror to yourself and understanding where you are. That's the self-awareness piece. Yes. So, but I think that it always starts there. You're supposed to be in this place even if you don't like it so that you can be pushed to move in a different direction. I don't think there's a supposed to. I think Nick's that. I think you are where you are. Like we are sitting in this room. Are we supposed to be here? Don't know, but we are. Do we want to be here? Hell yeah. Okay. I was like, mm, on the edge of my seat. Uh, I do. Uh, yeah, I think that's supposed to. And there's um, it, there's been a bunch of people that have said this over time. It was in the, the Avengers Endgame. Um, Thor's mom says to him, everybody fails at who they're supposed to be. Mm. And I mm. just think supposed to is such a bad phrase that we should really nix. That's fascinating because... If you think about parents having kids, they want their kids to to be exactly what they want. They want to raise them to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. to be married by 25, whatever it may be. And yeah, with our free will and being true to ourselves, we're always going to be different than what somebody wants us to be. Mm -hmm. So I guess the supposed, supposed to part of it is different by who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Also, it's like if you are listening and you're going to raise kids, um, raise them and guide them to whatever they want to do and help them become who they want to be. Don't try to steer them based off of your shortcomings or failures. That's it. That's so important. So, so important. It's also when we were born, our parents were so young. I took a screenshot earlier today. There was an an article about a parent of three CEOs. One of them is a CEO of YouTube. One one of them is the co-founder and CEO of 23andMe. And the other is a really renowned professor somewhere. And they asked the parents what they did to have really successful children without trying to push them into whatever they wanted to do. And they said, to make it easy to remember in all walks of life, I call these values trick, T-R-I-C-K. And I was like, I'm not going to have kids anytime soon, but hopefully I'll have this phone when I'm 35 because <laughs> then I will remember this. Save it to the cloud. <laughs> it says T is for trust, mm. respect, mm. independence, 
collaboration, and kindness. Wait, all three of these parents of CEOs told them tricks? It's one parent. Oh, one parent had three different CEO children? <laughs> yes. What a and this miraculous is womb that was. <laughs> this is the, those are the values. They also said that they never talked to the children in a baby voice. They talk to the children like adults from the moment that they... Oh, absolutely. And from zero to five, they tried to teach them everything they could because that's when the brain is the most spongy. Yes. They didn't use the word spongy. That was me. I like it. Spongy is very accurate. But I agree with you. Soaks it up. I think... I'm just so glad that I didn't have kids before I did all of this inner work because I would have... Absolutely. Totally messed... I mean, we're going to mess up anyway. That's human. I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. But at least it'll be so much more aware and for their own good mm-hmm. versus acting out of fear or mm-hmm. what I didn't have or what I it's it's almost scarcity like, mindsets and right. all that which I still deal with all the time. That's for another. I just think what's nuts is is there a way to raise your child to where they don't have childhood trauma based on I don't you? think so. I think it's going to happen no matter what. If you, even if you're the best parent, there's going to be something that you did on accident or that you don't even remember that your child is going to take so personally and start their story of why they're not good enough. Unless you have a parent that's just like, hey, I don't – because I don't know that I've ever heard a parent say this, but like I, I don't know that I'm going to be doing everything right. This is my first time being a parent, raising you. We're in this together. Um, this is what I want for you. I want, you know, you to be smart and empathetic and have a good heart. But I might make mistakes. Just talk to me about it when they arise. Totally. If you ever feel hurt by me, please, I want to have that open line of communication. I've never had that with my parents. That would be incredible. I think that would solve a lot of problems, that's for sure. Yeah. So hopefully. Hopefully. Let me know what happens whenever that happens. Same. I would love to hear. (laughs) Well, if you're not around, like, being an aunt to my parents, Oh, I'm going to be the best wrong. aunt. Yeah. Oh, my God. The home videos and the, the sewed garments. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> aunt Megan made us these DIYs. My sister always said when she has kids, she's going to make them call me Auntie M, like from Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's and I cute. Said, Please don't do that. That's super cute. I'm no. going to do it, too. No, no, no. Hang on, folks. We're going to take a short break. Here's a message from our sponsors. Do you do that? Well, what if we don't have sponsors that time? I think this is a good time to take a break. You can find extra advice that you can find at Just a Tip Podcast on Instagram from Justin, and we will be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back. We're back. We have, we have so, many, so more. many more. Hate this echo. It's gone. <laughs> we have so many more questions that are sent, but we are halfway through the pod. So now we're going to speed up our Cast. answers to just try and get more. Are you ready? So, we're so ready. Yeah, we'll speed just, rounds. Yeah, speed rounds. Speed rounds. Okay. Infernal Lizzie asks steps on how to love yourself or even just like yourself. Practical steps is what we're asking for. Mm, I recently did this challenge where I had to write myself love letters. Cute. And the first few days were a struggle. I couldn't finish sentences. I couldn't think of anything. And by the time my challenge was over, I was writing great love letters, just feeling so in love with myself and horny. <laughs> hand in hand. But like it, it was a really good practical challenge for me to, yeah. to do that. It helps you focus on the positives. I really love that. My practical advice would be to do this kind of visualization that I do every now and then is close your eyes and take a step back and then tell yourself that you've lost. This is kind of grim, but it'll be fine. It, that you've lost a lot of your memory and you don't know who you are. And then when you open your eyes, you start looking at things around the house and trying to decide who you are based off of that. Usually, I like to do this after I've cleaned my house because if it was a dirty house, that would suck. But make sure your house is clean and then start looking at the pictures on the wall, the CDs you have, are we in the 90s, the uh, what's on your iTunes, whatever it is, and just try, start trying to understand who this person is. And then... Usually, since you've bought all of these things and you like all of these things, you'll start going, that's a cool taste. Oh, I like that. Oh, this is a really nice little chair. And then you start to love the fact that you've created this surrounding for yourself and that you start to see your tastes and have a little bit more gratefulness for the things that you've surrounded yourself with. Or if you do that same visualization and you don't like anything that's around you, Maybe you're like a hermit crab that's outgrown that shell and you get to find a new one. Absolutely. I think that's really, really important. This is going to be a surface level analogy, but when you decorate your house and you like have a really specific style, you grow out of that. It happens all the time. And a lot of times I haven't wanted to get rid of things because I spent so much money on it. Or at the time, it was a lot of money. And it works perfectly fine, whether it's a dresser or a chair or something like that. But you grow as a person, your tastes change. And you have the opportunity to change whatever you want to serve yourself or to make yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. So don't hold on to things just because you spent money on it. Don't hold on to things because... Even if it's like a sentimental thing, if that's gone, take a photo of it, put it in your hard drive. You don't need these hard copies of your first boyfriend ever. You don't. Mm. That's not where you are. Why Bad. are you going there? Yeah, I agree. You know? Yeah, I know. Is that too harsh? No, I think we have this weird culture where we hold on to a lot of stuff, both emotionally and physically. Yeah. Just let go. It's a scarcity mindset again, which I have. <laughs> don't we all? A little bit. Oh, gosh, this username. Uh, Cammy Wolves Fluffy Penguins. Oh, no. Okay, 
I I did have a speech impediment when I said penguins. Oh, so it's actually penguins. <laughs> yep. I actually like penguins. <laughs> it was kind of it went it went with it. <laughs> it was hard because of all the other letters. Uh, this one just says self esteem. Quick on self esteem because let's try and get to a lot. Oh man. Um, mm. I mean, this is kind of the the same thing with the you can write love letters to yourself. Yeah. Self esteem. Self esteem, confidence. That kind of all goes hand in hand. I think. I think confidence and self-esteem, it's not just one thing. I remember signing up for this this program and they asked, what's the one thing that you want to work on? And I said, low self-esteem and confidence. And it's <laughs> it's not one thing. I, that's, I think, the umbrella of all of, the, all of these things of journaling, being alone, doing things for yourself, being nice to yourself, writing love letters to yourself. I think it's it all depends on that. The one thing that was practical about that program, they were saying to keep your word. That yes. is really, really important. So whether it's making a commitment to a friend or telling someone that you'll be there at, at 12 o'clock. Being there at 12 o'clock. Don't be there late. Don't don't give yourself the opportunity or the option to not stay true to what you said. Mm-hmm. That's what they said would help. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if in your experience you've seen if you keep your word, you feel more confident. But it's really just, it's not breaking a promise to yourself. It's it's holding yourself high enough to give the respect of staying true to you. I think for me, one of the biggest things that helps with self-esteem and confidence is doing challenging things, right? Like if you aren't finishing something that's challenging, what do you have to be confident in? Confidence is a byproduct of your abilities, right? And the more things you can challenge yourself at and finish and do – the stronger your sense of confidence is going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I can do anything if I put my mind to it. And you can say that, but if you actually know that based off of evidence of like, oh, I didn't know how to do this, but then I learned how to do this, and I'm good at doing this. It's like, pick up an instrument and learn how to play it really well. Like, get really good at something. doesn't matter what it is. Coding, even. All the kids are in the coding these days. Do you know this? I mean, that was like how we were bred on MySpace. We were all being little HTML heads oh, that, without absolutely. even knowing it. Absolutely. I wanted my theme. <laughs> um, but yeah, just get good at stuff. Whatever interests you, it doesn't matter. But when you're good at things and you know you're good at things, your self-confidence and your self-esteem will improve. I absolutely agree. Sometimes I play Beat Saber and sometimes it's really hard and then I'll just choose a different song or go slower and then I feel really good about it. mm mm Taking your very eloquent speech and just diminishing it to a video game. Beat Saber? That's (laughs) that's such a good game, though. Next question comes from Sandy Julia. She says, overcoming fears. Ooh, whatever you're afraid of, go do it immediately. Mm. Absolutely. I don't know. I think for a lot of people, just getting up on stage at an open mic for stand-up is, I recommend it to a lot. I mean, it's treacherous. Absolutely. But like the worst thing that could possibly happen is nobody laughs and then you walk off stage like or somebody tries to heckle you. And then at the end of the day, you're still fine. I think I think it's so good. But I mean, that's a lot of people have fears of public speaking and mm-hmm. and being judged in front of a crowd. So that's why that's always my go to. Um, but yeah, whatever it is you're afraid of. Just just do like I was deathly afraid of sharks. I watched Shark Week every week growing up as a kid. Was Even terrifi- when it wasn't Shark Week, you just had it on repeat? VHS. <laughs> so many VHS. sharks. 
And I, to the point where I would close my eyes in my swimming pool and then oh, yes, I've done would that. be transported in the ocean. I would think a shark's coming to get me. Me too. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> we just making fears for ourselves for Creating no reason. Creating fear out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere. We didn't have enough to be worried about. We pretend that there are sharks in our pool. Yeah. I mean, so what'd you do? So we cre- well, now it's – and I used to go in the ocean and be afraid that there were sharks out there. And um, and then I asked the lifeguard or my buddy asked the lifeguard. He's like, so uh, any sharks out there? And the lifeguard goes, yeah, it's the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so then you went and swam in it? So then it was just like, well, we wanted to swim in the ocean. So it's like you got to pick and choose. Like your fears come with whatever territory you're in. And you're either going to accept that those are there and face them or – Go do something else and let those fears go. I think that's part of a risk in general. There's already there's always going to be fear involved. But what's going to lead you? Are you going to be led by fear or by love or curiosity? Mm. It sucks a lot. Fear will always be there. Yeah. You know what I do? This is an interesting topic because I feel like a lot of what we're doing is offering advice, Right. Are we? I think we're just talking. <sighs> yeah. Because advice, mean, people can listen or they can't. This is like what, true. This is our experience. Of I just want to preface it with, yeah, this is all my. We experience. all know. I'm not a. I'm not a guru. I'm not a self help. By the way, there's a lot of like self help gurus on Instagram now. I feel like everybody's trying to hop on this bandwagon of like, this is what you need to be doing. And I know some that uh, can't pay their rent, and yet they're online offering advice. It's a weird time for like self discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. I think I think everyone knows that no one's an expert that's on this podcast. Yes. We're all just trying. Just doing our best. That's all it's about. Okay, let's see. Skokie asks about negative self-talk and self-sabotage. Skokie. How did you – what was your biggest tool for overcoming negative self-talk? Oh, man. Um – I'm trying to think. I can't – I mean, there, it still comes – I remember you and I had an analogy, kind of a, visual, a visualization for all of the, the voices in our head. Mm, yeah. And it. I don't know if we talked about it the last time you were on the podcast, but thinking of all of your inner thoughts like a town hall meeting and like if you've seen Gilmore Girls. Or Parks and Rec. They have town hall meetings there? Yeah. City, me- city hall meetings. Sure, sure, sure. Yes, they do that. I see it as Gilmore Girls because I love that show. But seeing someone as the the pessimist and someone as the optimist and someone as just the annoying one, someone as the crabby person, and knowing which one you're going to listen to. Mm. But just also hearing that voice inside of your head. The one Acknowledging that, that it's there is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try to shut the negative self-talk out because it doesn't work. No. It'll, it'll keep popping up. You just have to hear it and then decide not to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I have a voice in my head all the time that's just like, kill him. <laughs> and I'm like, we're not doing that, okay? Just stop. <laughs> I hear you. Yes, that's an option. It's like he we... keeps pitching to kill this person. <laughs> all the time. All the time. I, um, I don't know if I've had a, a a biggest tool in doing so. But I think when I think negatively of myself, I will either ask why I'm feeling like that ask myself why are you feeling insecure what's what's like on the table what are the actual mm. facts what are not 
it does like take the feelings out of it, which is crazy for me to say because that's like my whole thing is feel everything. Yeah. But if you take, because feelings aren't facts, what no. can a camera see? Camera can't see your feelings. What's actually going on? It can only see your body and how physically attractive you are. <laughs> Thanks, camera. <laughs> Asshole. I think just lo- knowing what's quote unquote reality and what's not in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, I think just, again, asking questions, asking your own brain questions of, is this true? Is this true or is this there because my mom said this to me, my dad said this to me, my ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, planted a seed and this is what it grew into. Exactly. Finding the source and realizing that that's not, it it wasn't you that was doing that. Have we been any quicker? Nope. Okay. We'll speed this up. (laughs) Okay. Um, Self-discovery and self Improvement. Self-discovery, self-improvement. I like this one a lot. Lydia Banff 23 asks, how to be less defensive about little things. That's a fun one. Mm, maybe you should feel this. Um, Because I used to be really defensive. I think. Slash am still. Between the two of us, you're the more defensive. I th- And I don't know why I was defensive. I think maybe it was because sometimes I felt not good enough. And so... I, I I was taking everything like an attack mm. versus just at face value of what someone is saying. And here's the thing is like when someone gives constructive criticism or a negative comment on YouTube, sometimes they're just shitty people. But sometimes they have something to say. And sometimes if you kind of dust off all the dirt of how they're transporting it, there's goods underneath that. You just wipe it off and you go, what are they actually saying? What can I take from this and use? And why is it affecting me? Yes. Because if it was un, there was no basis in truth at all, it wouldn't bother you at all. Right. So if you're getting defensive about something, it's maybe because you're taking it in a way that is kind of hooking you in a part that hurts. And so, and usually people, for the most part, aren't trying to hurt you. They're just saying something and it triggers you. Like yesterday, I was at, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was just transported to being so offended. So I've got a complex around food a lot. I don't want to tell the whole story of like why this is a trauma, but it's it's a part of me that I it's very sensitive is around food. And so I was at a restaurant yesterday eating with two of my friends and we ate oh it was like pizza and potatoes and, and salmon. It was a lot of carbs. And so the waiter comes back and he was like looks he got he said looks like you guys really enjoyed it. And I was like, the fuck? Like, don't (laughs) you tell me what I enjoyed just because I ate my food that I'm paying for and I'm hungry and I'm at a restaurant? Why do you have to say that? And I turned to my friend and instantly she looked at me with an all-knowing look because all my close friends really know about this complex. And I was like, he shouldn't have said that. And it was like a whole thing. He was being nice, making small talk, trying to do his job. But like it hit me in a way that was like, ugh. Should I have not eaten this? Should I have gone starving like I have always felt like I was? It was was horrible. But all of that to say, it's never about the person. I mean, it's usually about the person. But, like, sometimes you have to look inside and go, why did that bother me? Mm -hmm. And then know that that's where you need to start for the work. Exactly. That guy didn't know what he did. He still doesn't. He's, he will never know. He still, unless he listens to this podcast. <laughs> okay, let's see. This is a fascinating question. I know I keep saying that, but the, the, these ones that are catching my eyes. 
Fate Mall Shawaf asks how to differentiate between who I think I am and what everyone sees me as. Isn't that an interesting question? <sighs> I'll field it. I think who you believe you are sometimes is less valuable than how other people see you. And what I, I mean that. by that is third-party perspective makes things real. Like if you're the emperor and you got your new clothes on and you're walking around n naked thinking you're hot shit because you're wearing like the coolest clothes, but really everybody else knows you're naked, then you're naked. Yeah. So if everybody sees that you are great, but there's the voice in your head that's telling you you're not, you're great. And you get to stop listening to that voice inside your own head. Yeah. I think that's really well said. Because it, it's funny because it's spinning it on its head of don't care about what other people think, but which is part of it. But when you're the only one that's voting against yourself, mm -hmm. you should care about what other people think. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. I sometimes, I mentioned previously when, when friends are like, how could you even think of yourself like that? Because I see you as X, Y, and Z really high. And it's like, well, I don't feel like that. And, def and I'm not saying don't, f don't push away that you don't feel like that. That's something to explore. But at the same time, know that you're putting yourself in that position to feel bad or that's something that you could work on to put more effort and attention to. Mm -hmm. Because when things don't add up or align, unless you're being completely different than you actually are, uh, which also is... Something to think about. Yeah. Analyze. But yeah, I, I do think listen to others when they tell you how great you are. You're great. You're great. Okay, maybe one more? Yeah. Uh-oh. It's got to be a good one. Go out with a banger. I'm going to I know we just talked about being defensive, but I think this is really helpful. <laughs> so, Jenny Kozak asks how to fight without getting defensive, and we can end on this one because I think this goes with communication, which I I'm sure we'll do another communication topic episode, but I think fighting I haven't fought in a long time because that's like a relationship thing. Like a same, yeah. I haven't been like a romantic so one. Long. It's so long. <laughs> but maybe this will be good because we've been single and working on ourselves for a long time so that we can say if we were in a relationship, how would we fight? Like how to fight in a relationship. And I know this well, we'll probably have a relationship pod too. But I think fighting in general is are, are two or more people not being understood. I think fighting is just coming from being misunderstood. And there's a certain part where you have to know that you're going to be misunderstood and then offering up information to help someone understand. If we are both so interested in understanding the other person versus being understood, mm -hmm. I think that we will all be more understood. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the question? How to fight without being defensive. Well, you can't. You can't fight without being defensive. So, like, the way you phrased it, whoever asked that, is inherently wrong. Um, shift it to how to communicate disagreements without getting defensive, maybe? Yeah. Um, and my question is, I've been in situations where the person that I'm trying to communicate with is either really closed off or is 
defensive. So if I'm not the defensive one, if you're trying to meet someone who is defensive, there's still a defense. I think this, I think do enough self-work so that you see, you know your triggers, you know where they stem from. And if you do enough self-work, you can see that in other people. And when you see other people starting to get riled up over something, you see them getting defensive over something, it's kind of like you're able to see the matrix. And you're like, oh, they're acting this way because of this. And the more you're able to see and understand their behavior the more you're going to be able to use different tactics to show them and get them to your point of view. Otherwise, you guys are just going to be, again, fighting, which is not what you want. It's so hard because I feel like when you are trying to get someone to be on that level with you, but they aren't equipped for it, you you kind of have to walk away because there's not... Should we wait? I get easily distracted by dogs, and there is a dog trying to climb up into my lap. Hang on. He's a good boy. Okay. Speak to him like an adult. That's a good dog. <laughs> um, if the other person isn't equipped to meet you there, you kind of have to walk away for a little bit until they can do the self-work. It's not your job to do other people's self-work. But... If you do enough, you can help someone, but if they aren't doing the same, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, and it all goes back, we've said a a bunch, but asking questions. I think asking them questions. You know, if they get upset with something you do, sometimes just being like, why does this upset you so much? Well, don't say it like that. That would set someone off. Well, somebody... If you said that to me and we were in a fight and a relationship, well, I guess if we were in a... Tiff? But I would just be like, well, why is this important to you? Like, what is it about, like, this particular thing that I'm doing that upsets you, that upsets you so much? I just feel like that seems really pointed. I feel like maybe maybe I sugarcoat everything, but I think you could still get that to them by saying, please help me understand. I want to know why what I did is affecting you so much so okay, that I can... you said, I want to know why what I did is affecting you so much. And I said, why is what I did affecting yeah, you? Isn't it the same thing? No, it's like you just like sh- like pounded a rock star before you started talking. It's not the same thing, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're de- dealing with maybe delicate people, mm. be delicate. Mm. I think, I think um, stoicism, especially in times of conflict, is so amazing and so helpful if you can just quell your emotions right the second you feel like you're starting to get defensive and you feel that like build up in your like you it's bubbling and you sense it you're able to be like okay Mm -hmm. take a big deep breath realize you're getting upset know this about yourself that like something's really upsetting you and even if you have to excuse yourself for a while to like gain some perspective do that absolutely i think that's very important is being able to walk away from something and anyone in a relationship or in a future relationship let the person go let them go do not keep them there when they don't want to be because that's going to be in like ultimately the worst thing that you could do the reason why we feel these sensations in our bodies whether it's like you feel your your arms tensing up or your shoulders or you feel a lot of pressure in your clavicle or, or if your fists actually become in fists your hands and fists it's because our like all the way back to caveman times is we feel threatened 
And our body is in fight or flight mode. So if you feel attacked, that's because your body is gearing up to actually physically fight the battle for you. So your body is thinking before, your body is acting before you can really think. So pay attention. You know what to I your just body. read was, and they showed brain scans of this. If somebody questions your ideals, mm-hmm. the exact same thing happens to your body. Your body goes into fight or flight mode because it, you it can't differentiate your body being attacked versus your ideals or brain being attacked. Crazy. And that's your identity. Your ideals are yes. your identity. So no. of course, absolutely. Justin, I think we crushed this. I think we did pretty well. I think um, this podcast makes us sound like very developed selves. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think we are b- better developed than when we met. Like God, We better be. <laughs> that was almost a decade ago. Our journals would be so different than back then. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. You know what? Going back to the journal thing, I remember I have a friend who was in Bruce Lee's house, and he got to flip through, like, Bruce Lee's old journals. He got to or he just did secretly? And no, no, no. He was invited. Um, But he said one of the craziest things about Bruce Lee's journals was there was never anything negative in them. And I don't know if he wrote, like, his negative thoughts in a separate book and just didn't keep them or, like, ripped those pages out and burned them. But his journals were nothing but, like, positives, memories, and lessons. And I think that's brilliant. I think too oftentimes we'll focus on the negatives rather than – and we'll keep those versus tearing them out, burning them, doing whatever you got to do, let them go, and stay focused on the positives. Absolutely. Well, the negatives could – he maybe did journal those but turned them into lessons. Mm-hmm. So all the lessons started as negatives. But what, I, what can you glean from it that can help you? Yeah. Yeah. I started doing that after I heard that story. I'm I have, gonna I have start a separate journal – that whenever I'm having something negative, I'm like, what's the solution to this? And then I journal the solution. I don't mm. journal the problem. That's cool. Yeah. I really like that. It's a cool book. You should read it. It's a riveting read. It's a book? The Moleskeen. It's your book? Your Are you calling your journal a book? <laughs> It'll get published one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Where can people find you on the internet if they want more of Justin James Hughes? Pornhub.com slash JJH. No? What if that was real? Oh, my God. That'd be terrible. Twitter.com slash Hughes. I never use it. I never Hughes it. Oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare. Instagram.com slash Hughes or JustinJamesHughes.com. And you can also find me on uh, the Just the Tip podcast, Ooh, which you're listening to right now. Yeah, you have been on two episodes. Two episodes. Go find my old one. Go find the old one. If you guys have a sticky situation or burning concern, call us at 805-751-9071. You give us your age, and we'll give you some pretty developed advice in our opinion. Did you say sticky situation? That's right. And then age, because you got to make sure. I think age makes everything easier. In what capacity? I think not to overgeneralize age, but I think depending on different eras of your life, things are different. I think that's accurate. I I, <laughs> I just think it's easier to go, oh, if someone's having a tough time and they're 17 versus they're 23, it's like, oh, you learned a lot in that amount of time. And if yeah. you are if you haven't hit 25 yet, you still have time. Like, I, I think from five to about 27, we get real stupid. <laughs> like you ask a pre-five, like a five-year-old a question, 
you get the answer that's simplest, that's like on point. You get what you want. And then we really complicate it with hormones and emotions. And then we finally learn how to deal with it again. Yeah. But we, I tried explaining optimism. Did I tell you this no. to my nephew? So somehow it comes up. My nephew's like, what's optimism? He's five. And we're explaining it to him. And we're using the analogy, you know, glass half empty versus glass half full. And my nephew just goes, but either way, there's water in it. Oh. And I'm just like, oh my. Like, wow. Yeah. Uh, I love your nephew. I can't wait to have one of on my own. Thank you for coming a here. Nephew? <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah, a child or a nephew, a child adjacent. <laughs> I really want children, but not right now. Not right now. But like TikTok. Maybe I'll become a babysitter just to scratch that itch. Couple years. Couple years. Couple years. All right, guys. Thanks for being alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. Bye. Meow. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>